Hello and welcome to episode 31 of what we're listening to. My name is Josh and I'm one of your hosts and with me, as always, is my friend and patriarch of the Royal Academy of Sousaphones, Asher, how are you, sir? I think David Letterman made a bad joke about sousaphones on some uh, performance of um, of, uh, my, of what's the one that I gave you with David Byrne and St. Vincent. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes, that's me. Have you ever actually tried to play a sousaphone? They're quite difficult because they go around the body, right? And it's quite a hard thing to do. Do they come in sizes? Because, like, not everyone is the same size. They must. I never look into it, actually. It's just, it's just a bad trombone, in my opinion. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, are you doing well? Yeah, I'm good. It's cold here. But, uh, you know, it's it's role reversal between Canada and Australia at the moment. Uh, We've yeah, had I- snow and you've had, like, massive heat waves. So I hope Bra- you're okay. Brain melting temperatures. It's good fun. Yeah. Um, you have I, a quiz for me? Yes, and this might be impossible, but I do have a quiz for you. Hey, that's what our quizzes are always like, right? So, yes. So I was reading uh, this month that the uh, mega hit by multi-instrumentalist Gotye, somebody that I used to know, turns 10 years old. No way. And um, at one point, hmm. this song was the most downloaded song in the world, in the U.S. alone. It was downloaded roughly 7 million times. My goodness. And in every nation I could find, um, it was first. And then a song was consistently second. What is the second most downloaded <laughs> song from 2011? 2011. Oh. Is it Gangnam Style? I can give you a hint. It is not Gangnam Style. It, okay. was, it was written by a British Columbian. Oh. Um, British Columbians around 2011. I'm not sure I knew what British Columbia was in 2011. <laughs> um, I got nothing. I'm sorry. Well, hey, I just met you and this is crazy, but that song was Call Me Maybe. <laughs> oh, Carly Rae Jepsen. Is she uh-huh. from Canada? She is. She actually participated, but didn't win uh, Canadian Idol, which is how she kind of got her start. Right. Um, she's from a tiny town called Mission, which is up. up no, I know Mission, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been there. Actually, I've been meaning to one day give these to you, but Carly Ray has kind of um, left that kind of pop life behind, but has been making some pretty interesting kind of like synth pop disco records that have been pretty no well way. received. Yeah, they're actually pretty good. <laughs> they're not quite my speed, but I think you might like some of them. Anyway, um, yeah, so Carly Ray was like behind all these gotcha hits. She's still like 6.7 million downloads in like America, that kind of stuff. So she's doing well for yeah. herself. Speaking of um, one hit wonder kind of pop idols, I was listening to some Rebecca Black the other day. <laughs> um, yeah, she kind of remade herself as well a little bit. Um, and it's like, okay, it's still really not my style, but it, she's kind of, yeah, looking different and sounding different and all that sort of thing. And so it's like, oh, okay, it's interesting. I mean, you're not 13 forever, thankfully. (laughs) Yeah, I think that um, Anthony Fantano was listening to it or something like that. So I was like, all right, I should check out what Rebecca Black is up to. So Mm -hmm. there we go. We've both revisited our, no, (laughs) revisited some teen uh, idols. 
I'm not sure if Rebecca Back was ever like a teen idol. I think it was just kind of like a song that everyone loved to hate, but some people really liked, I guess. Yeah. Um, Do you have any catch-ups, sir? Yeah, just a tiny bit. Um, I was listening to Lord Huron last night. Okay. Um, I think that I misunderstood Western as country when you said they're very Western. Um, And so I was like, oh, this isn't as Western as I was thinking. But um, I meant that it wasn't as country as I was thinking. Um, yeah, those, is a different those two bag, genres are kind it? of related. Yeah, they're yeah. like cousins. It reminds me of Fleet Foxes. Um, and I would struggle sometimes to tell the difference in their vocal sound. I think. Yeah. But maybe that's because I haven't heard as much Fleet Foxes. I actually re-listened to uh, Fleet Foxes uh, self-titled the past three weeks as well. Um, so maybe that was why there was the association, but fair enough. Yeah, it's it's very pretty stuff. The new Lord Huron, I should check it out. I just um, yeah, just didn't know they had stuff. But that's cool. Um, Did you I, have any follow up? I have one piece of follow up, which is more of a disclaimer. Um, mm. If you are listening to our last episode at any time and want to look at the playlist, um, it is a particularly uh, hefty one. Um, to do Asher's penchant for choosing projects that are six and a half hours long and we can only find a version of the whole thing to put on Spotify which making our playlist over eight hours long so just let the listener understand and beware that this is a a, a unique one and you don't have to listen to the whole six hours if you don't want to no 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 I'm sure the Die Hard fans are like it's on the playlist so we must listen um the the reason is that I was looking for Everywhere at the End of Time on Spotify and they either had the entire thing for 390 minutes or they had the individual <laughs> original tracks that haven't been processed and oh. kind of degraded. And so that's why I picked the former rather yeah, okay. than the latter because the latter, they're beautiful songs, but they're it's a different work of art. So anyway. Yeah. Well, it's kind of been too hot to do anything, including wear headphones. So my uh, music listening has actually slowed down a bit in the past week. So you have to, I haven't done as much as I should have potentially. That's the, okay. Uh, my honorable up. mentions are going to make up for the most. both. <laughs> oh boy. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. How will we uh-huh. head to reviews first? Yeah, sounds good. Um, now, my disclaimer is that I have another gloomy record um, and I'm going to blame this on Australian winters. Um, it's colder and darker here and so maybe I just feel like listening to uh, moody, brooding music. Um, that's my excuse anyway. But um, I've been listening to the soundtrack to the HBO miniseries Chernobyl or Chernobyl. I'm not quite sure which way I'm supposed to pronounce it. Um, so... I did actually watch the series too. I didn't just listen to the soundtrack. Um, I watched the series mm. after seeing some people talk about it on Twitter and I know that I'm two years late, but um, I was interested and watched the series and the series is really good. It's very sad and it's very brilliantly done. Um, but I was really curious about the music because obviously the subject matter of, you know, nuclear holocaust almost um, – was going to be an interesting one to score and I was interested to see what kind of sounds they would make. Um, As it was, they chose a 
uh, Icelandic composer whose name I cannot pronounce very well. <laughs> Hilda Gunda, uh, Gunnodottir. Did you, how do you do those D's again? I think it's a TH, but I'm not 100% uh, on that. Anyway, so um, she is a composer from Iceland and she did the Joker soundtrack recently. Um, so she's done some really big um, films mm. and scores them really well. The Chernobyl soundtrack is is what you'd kind of imagine a little bit. It's kind of very textural. There's lots of like brushes and steel sounds and and kind of like drony sort of things. But it's not as like dro- it's not as like indistinguishable as I thought it might be. Um, it's not a very long album either. There's kind of like a few pieces um, that are reused in different ways throughout the series. So the first track, Door, there's like some brushes and stuff and it's very effective uh, both in the series and listening to it. Bridge of Death is one of the most gorgeous pieces, ironically, on the the album and kind of reminds me, do you remember that organ album I reviewed a while ago by Anna yeah. Von Hasself? Yeah. yeah. I can so see it's that. like modern, yeah, modern pipe organ kind of stuff. Um. There's a song that comes up early on the album called Vichnaya Pamyat is probably my favorite piece on the album. Mm. Um, it's like a choral piece and it's very reminiscent of like uh, Rachmaninoff's uh, choir pieces. So he wrote a lot of like choral music and one of his pieces is called The Liturgy for St. John Chrysostom. And it reminded me a lot of this kind of like um, orthodox uh choral music so it's the word uh the russian word translates to memory eternal and so it's actually used at the end of the series reflecting upon all those who gave their lives to kind of stop this disaster from kind of becoming worse and worse and worse yeah that uh that vishnaya pamyat song is very beautiful and you kind of have um like eastern choirs have the reputation of being really excellent and obviously the Ukrainian one that sung this is mm. um, very, very good. There's something, there's a quote from Rachmaninoff about like a good bass is as hard to find as asparagus in Christmas. <laughs> um, and he would always write these, well, in one of the pieces I'm going to put on the playlist, he has this low F in the bass part, which is just like gorgeous when you hear it. Um mm. That not a lot of basses can sing that low that well. Yeah, that's hard. Pedal tones are really hard. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, it's I I liked how they <clears throat> brought back this kind of tradition um, in this, and it's yeah. What I meant at the beginning was like, yeah, they felt like they were distinguishable pe- distinguishable pieces in this soundtrack rather than just being like drone and noise, which it could have easily become. Mm. Um, I don't want to go too more in depth, but like. Um, it sounded like there were like ebos sometimes. Um, my favorite other piece was 12 hours before. Um, it's, it's obviously a piece that happens 12 hours before the explosion. And it has this like very unsettling beauty about it. Um, like in, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, but it's kind of portraying the 12 hours before the explosion and the peacefulness that's occurred and like the 
beauty and like people outside enjoying the sunshine because it's around mm. their summertime. Mm. But this unsettling feeling like things are going to go really bad really soon. Um, it reminds me a lot of another artist who I can't think of, but any, anyway, in and of itself, it's a gorgeous piece. Um, and the last one was Lior, which was very Sigaros. So this uh, Icelandic influence seemed to kind of like cross-pollinate <laughs> a little bit. Um, but I really like this soundtrack. I listened to it a bunch of times and I, yeah, I'll come back to it, especially those favourites of mine. Yeah, it um, it reminded me a little of some parts of the uh, Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack, which are, mm. um, there's some of those scenes where there are like more desolate planets or the desert kind of stuff. Um, yeah. where you had this kind of atmosphere of like urban metallic desolation and I don't know, to, yeah. that kind of resonated in this album as well as that one to me. Um, mm. Yeah. So Hans Zimmer did that. Yes, I think. And, and he, yeah, I just checked and he's known for like those, um, well, like the classic uh, inception sort of uh low horn kind of thing mm. um i felt like the chernobyl soundtrack kind of did it a little bit more subtly than what hans zimmer does although i'm not trying to compare i just noticed that this this low brass you know sort of thing that inception did yeah um she managed to do just a little bit more kind of um subtle anyway but um i would listen i should listen to the blade runner 2049 soundtrack because i haven't actually listened to it without the movie i'd be interested it's a pretty good one. Yeah. There, there's some very interesting pieces. Um, anyway, yeah, I like the homage that that soundtrack played to um, Vangelis, obviously who did the first one. Yeah, um, and there's similar synth sounds from memory. It's kind of like, yeah, giving his nod to the predecessor. So anyway. Mm. Um, so we have something a little bit more cheery to talk about now, your <laughs> review. <laughs> I'm trying to hold up my end. Um, yeah. yeah, so yeah I, thanks man. Being a bit uh, more chipper. I've been listening to the, um, the latest album from, uh, band Japanese breakfast. Um, uh, yeah, I don't quite remember when I first heard about this band or, uh, Michelle Zahner. Um, but I've been listening to your stuff for a little while now and I've enjoyed her albums quite a bit. Uh, but mm. I always kind of felt that they, I don't know, um, were a little bit safe or, um, I don't know. This is kind of like a like a disappointed parent, but like she could she could do better, and I knew that she could. And I think this album is that kind of step in that direction. Um, mm -hmm. It's more explorative. Uh, there's more like it's not like just a synth pop, but there's other things too. It touches of little genres and like more mm. ambient, more musification. Um, yeah. And we talked a while ago about an album by a band called Soccer Mommy. Mm. Yeah. And we, and we said that I was like, that felt very early two thousands, like in its production and its stylings. And I feel like this record is in the same vein only to me. It feels very 2020s in um, how it's put together. I don't quite know how to quantify that, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel dated in that way. Um, yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's me being crazy. Um, no, it's, it's interesting. There, there are hints of like eighties stuff, mm. 
Um, but in the way that maybe the 2020s was, do you mean like 2010 to 2020? Kind of like that decade? Yeah, like airing on the side of like something that's more modern, I guess I would say. Yeah, yeah, it is It is more mo- modern than Soccer Money, Mummy. <laughs> and um, yeah, there, to me it kind of sounded like there was a bit more synth pop but influenced by the 80s a little on yeah. like B-Sweet, um, which I know is not your favourite track. <laughs> yeah, that song in particular is very 80s. Um, yeah, yeah. I actually even, really like the first track, Paprika. Yeah, Paprika's great, or Paprika. Mm. I, um, I think I've said it like a North American. You said it like an Australian. <laughs> who even knows? Um, so, yeah, this album kind of uh, exists in this zone of like extremely poppy musical sensibilities with lyricism mm. that's mostly about like relationships that aren't working properly or desires for better ones. Um, and it kind of is trying to give this emotiveness to like bittersweet joy, which I haven't really heard on a record before. And it's a complicated emotion Mm. to put to music. And I think this record does a really good job of that. Um, And so, you know, it's bright colors and summerish and um, all these kind of pop songs, which have good depth to them. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, um, I showed, I shared with this the other day of, um, Jeff Tweedy of Wilco playing one of the songs off the album. Um, oh, I didn't get to watch that yet, but yeah, I saw. Well, it's interesting because he plays it like a Wilco song, like the the rhythms he changes to be more Wilco-ish. And yeah, yeah. without all the glitz and production, like the songwriting is quite nice still. And mm. I think that's kind of where this record shines underneath it all. Um, yeah. So I think this record is really good and I warmed up to it first, but it's kind of, yeah, it's really nice. And, um, I don't know if this will ever happen, but I just kind of want to put it out there. We've talked about it before the, um, the musician Luna Lee, the, the Toronto based musician. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like if there was any way that they should work together, it would be, a match made in heaven. I don't know, even like a production capacity or musically, I feel like it would do really well. The second last song, um, Tactics, mm-hmm. has a similar vibe. And I actually went to double check to see if it was her on it because there's violin work on it. And it, unfortunately, it was not. But um, right. I'm just going to put that out there. I feel like it would be okay. a great idea. <laughs> that could be cool. I only know Luna Lee a tiny bit, but she does. Does she do like beats as well underneath like her kind of classical instrumentation? Yeah. And like harp stuff. And I feel like those kind of things yeah. could, could, um, she'd be a, an excellent producer, I think for this style of music. Yeah. Um, Cause Japanese breakfast, they always struck me as more like a typical band sound, right? Like guitars mm. and drums and bass and stuff. Like mm. I, I listened to Psychopomp a while ago. Um, and it didn't grab me as much as like the opening parts of this. I only listened to about half of this. Sorry. I, I got through a bit of it and, um, but I could see what you mean. Uh, and I, I enjoyed the kind of variety of sounds too. You said it was like tropical punch in a album or something. Yeah. Like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like fruit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really bright. It's really, um, it's really nice. I like the persimmons on the front cover or something. It's I, um, kind of. It's kind of cool. I, I I dig I dig that aesthetic. Like it's it's fun and enjoyable. So. Yeah, I found myself um, enjoying the um, more 
the more different songs um like posing mm-hmm. in bondage or tactics or posing for cars the last song i um i think it's my favorite song on the record like it ends with this like long kind of drawn out guitar solo and you don't really expect it mm-hmm. in this kind of like waltzy synth pop kind of framework okay. but it's really beautiful i really enjoyed that cool. yeah so nice um as a side note just for those who haven't heard um jeff tweedy sometimes does these covers of pop songs one of my mm-hmm. favorites is his cover of the black eyed peas um what is it again uh tonight's gonna be a good night or something is that black eyed peas? <laughs> really <laughs> i've never heard um, that no you said it to me isn't that I've got the a feeling? one like yeah, I got a feeling. That's right. Yeah, you sent it to me, didn't you? My brain's mushed, Any- dude. I don't remember. That's okay. Anyway, I'll put that link in the show notes. I think that's less of an affectionate cover and more of a tease. So I'll have to check out. <laughs> I'll have to check out his cover of this uh, Japanese breakfast one. So yeah, yeah. Um, all right, homework time. Homework time. So I have uh, given Asher the. Uh, third and unfortunately final album from a Montreal indie band called the stills. Um, the album's called oceans will rise. I consider this band to be one of the gems of two thousands Canadian music, um, that unfortunately kind of didn't, uh, go the distance, but their hits are still played on the radio around here. And I think they have quite a unique, um, song structure, like, uh, to their music. Um, and it's, it's hard cause, um, they don't really have a, like a one phenomenal album. They have lots of different bits and pieces, but this is kind of the one that I, um, maybe enjoyed the most and it's their last record. So I thought it's kind of what start with. So, um, what did you think about the stills, sir? Um, I'll be honest in the start. I feel like it didn't <laughs> grab me a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and I think it might just be the vocals that just didn't kind of, didn't stand out enough for me and maybe mm. I'm too much of like a, a snob and I like something to be a little bit more unique. Um, I, I'm interested to hear like what you really like about this, but you saying the structure is really interesting. That's something that I did notice within yeah. the first three tracks. You're like, huh, these songs are not like, they're not kind of put together in the same way that I would expect. Um, it kind of, it some parts of it had like a Travis feel. There was like something beautiful and catchy about like songs like Being Here. Mm. Um, like, I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure what that is, but like there is, there are a lot of pretty songs on this. Like Everything I Build. Um, the, the deceptive syncopation in Panic is also really cool. Um, the bass line at the start kind of... Uh, you know the one I mean? It's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like you suddenly realize where the beat is. And I, I like when bands do that. It takes a bit. It's like kind of, um, what's that one by um, Kings of Leon? Oh, uh, like Charmer. Yeah, yeah, Charmer, like that kind of thing. Um, some of the tracks like had an old worldy feel, like Dinosaurs. Um, I'm With You is nice. It's actually the end of the album which sounded more interesting to me, like Roy Boss Palm Wine Drunkard. Is, yeah. is quite a good song. Maybe it's the length. Maybe it's the like combo of these two different songs together that kind of draws me in a little bit more and it's quite epic. Um, 
I think all in all, like good, sturdy sound, solid songwriting, but it didn't kind of stand out for me as like, this is an album out of Canadian music that like I would think of as Mm. exemplary. So what do you Mm. really like about the stills? Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. I think um, for me, and this might get some people upset. I've never been a big U2 fan. Um, no, I mean, it's fair. They, they had a good few decades, but some other stuff is not great. I mean, for me, it's basically Joshua Tree and nothing else. And so this, to, this band to me kind of, I think, fills a similar void of like what an actualized U2 that I w- would enjoy sound like. Um, huh. Like with the, yeah, similar kind of um, post-punk 80s filler vibe, but with more modern kind of song structures and um mm. more interesting guitar solos so um yeah i don't know i i guess i'm um ultimately kind of proud that they're canadian and i enjoy their really big songs so you've touched on um i'm with you and what's the first one mm. um being here and like my hands are on fire these are all like still put on the radio pretty regularly around vancouver and all oh, right um, those are the kind of ones that are like, you know, I always turn like the radio up cause they're, I always enjoy them. I think even, hmm. um, the guitar solo for I'm with you might be one of my favorites ever. It's in the top five. Wow. Cool. Like the, it's a nice song. I remember it being a standout. Yeah. The interplay between like the guitar solo and the rhythm section doing like those off hits. I, that's, I just love that. Anyway. Um, hmm. yeah, I, what do I love about them? I don't know. I don't mean to I, put you on the spot. I was just kind of interested to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah, I think um, out of the world that was happening at the time for Canadian music, there was a lot of kind of meh stuff in the same vein as like a Three Days Grace kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. Canada was pumping out that kind of like half nickelback trash and these guys were doing this in Montreal and that to me was really um a positive thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I kind of they shone they shone through that kind of uh that kind of mess um for me. I don't know. That's kind of yeah. why I like them, I guess. Yeah. No, no, no. I get that. It's like uh, kind of like an oasis in the desert, you know, there's all this other stuff going on. You're like, oh, finally, something a little bit different. <laughs> it's, maybe that's too harsh in Canada. I um, I think I gave this to you because you, we were talking about Coldplay um, hmm. last episode. And I think these guys, there are a couple bands in Canada that I think have a similar kind of um, like pop songwriting vibe. And this is kind of one of them to me, like those big songs that are like not yeah. overly complicated, but are like you could sing them in a stadium and be happy about it. I think is that kind of fills that vibe for me. Um, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. They do feel like a band that could take on a stadium well. Like their sound is dominating. It's kind of, it's not too uh, in the background. It'll it'll take over. So yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Yeah, that's cool. Still, and you said you you bought this very early on you have it on cd from yeah. way back i have all this stuff on cd actually um oh nice yeah they, they just kind of existed i'd i'd never really thought about you know the stills that seriously they were just kind of around in mm. canada and then they broke up and i was like oh 
I'm actually going to really miss them making music now that I think about it. And yeah. I still do. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, um, how would you tell people, speaking of blasts from the past, what you gave me this week? Yeah, so I think we both chose something from our kind of teenage <laughs> years. Um, I gave Josh an album which I really enjoyed when I was uh, in my teenage years. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was because when I first started kind of taking music a bit more seriously and like I knew about like music where that album was kind of a piece of art in and of itself. Mm. To me, this was the first time I came to the conclusion that this an album was like constructed very intentionally, like with beginning, middle, end kind of arc sort of thing. I don't know yeah. if this is a funny choice for that, but I gave Josh uh, Under Oath's second album. Actually, I think it's their third. Their first album was pretty trash. The second one was <laughs> more clear, critically acclaimed. And this third one is called They're Only Chasing Safety. Um, <clears throat> now, if you don't know who Under Oath are, they're from the south of America, uh, as in the USA. And they're like a hardcore band, Christian hardcore band. So they're, that means it's kind of like punk music slash new punk and then with screaming and yeah, with singing. You're, so. missing, you're missing out a key ingredient, which is the screamo aspect of this band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what makes them hardcore. Um, to, I think that's actually a genre rather than just like a statement you know, yeah. that Jack Black would make. They're so, hardcore. Yeah. Do you want to tell people what your impressions were and then I'll tell you why I also <laughs> love this album? Yeah, so I, I, I got to be upfront. <laughs> I, um, as a teenager of similar age to Asher, was never huge into the screamo hardcore subgenre um that You're being hardcore, man. that being said i've actually despite that seen a number of bands including under oath live like thrice oh, really? and alexis on fire and the used maybe billy talent if you're feeling generous um yeah, i mean yeah. warp tours will put everybody on so i've actually seen under oath play and yeah, yeah. i i think you have to be in a particular mood or place to really engage with the kind yeah. of melodrama that comes with this kind of music. Um, you have to be jogging or something. Yeah, you have to be like in some kind of, I don't know. And I, I think I'm not like in that space, uh, maybe because I've gotten older or just because I'm not feeling angsty at the moment. Um, and so it, it, um, it can, I think this genre could be a little bit monosyllabic if you're not careful. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Anyway. Um, this album is interesting because it comes at a point of change for the band. Like one of the people from the original two records quit. And so um, they kind of bring this together with a new person taking over the singing duties. Um, and so some parts are pretty creative musically. And then some parts are um, super mega ultra 2000s. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Some of the sounds in this record, like, the the turntable noises and like the techno breaks and like yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. like the low pass yeah. filters on drum fills are so dated sometimes. <laughs> this is what we were talking about last time with like production choices, which are very, very much of their ilk. Yeah. I reckon um, they got sucked into a few of those. You can tell that like techno is like really popular at this time and it's kind of like this bridge between like hardcore screamo 
and like these weird techno sensibilities just kind of like every so often they appear and i don't know they really take me out of it sometimes so we used to comment my friends and i when we were listening to this that the keyboardist was a bit redundant but he did all these little like kind of crazy bleeps and bloops and that sort of thing and if you listen to there's a hit song off their previous album called um something when the it's not when the sun hits that's um slow dive it's uh when the sun (laughs) sleeps and it starts off with this very like very techno sort of intro and then goes straight into like hardcore screamo and that funny intersection i think was very big in the early thousands yeah i mean um Lincoln Park, I completely blame oh, for this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I was um, thinking about them the other day too. Yeah, also a band that I never truly appreciated. Um, Me neither. So, so one one thing I do like about this kind of subgenre um, is that so much of it is rhythmic. The melodies and the sung melodies are not super complicated. Um, they kind of exist as a vehicle for the person to like scream as much as possible, and so. Um, the rest of the songs are crafted to like, just like drive super heavily. Um, Mm. so like the drums, the guitar, the bass, everything is just keeping that engine going. And so, Mm. um, it kind of has this beautiful rhythm to it. Um, and that's Aaron Gillespie. Yeah. Aaron Gillespie is a very good drummer Mm. and also the singer, as you discovered. Yes. The. The clean singer, you should say, not the screamer yeah. singer. Um, yeah, yeah. It's the differential. So um, ba- bands like this uh, typically um, have kind of like two modes. Uh, you have like the big um, aggro screaming parts that are like full of the energy and kind of like get you going. And then you flip to the more like restful singing pieces to offset those. And you end up with this kind of mm. like flipping tension back and forth. It's, it's pretty common in the subgenre. So um, mm. I usually find myself just enjoying the sung parts more. I don't know. I, um, I think it's just the, the sound that I appreciate more out of this music. Um, it is the far more, um, I suppose, complex part. There's often they're having to rein in the sound and actually be a bit more intentional than like just going for it. So there's yeah. probably a bit more thought that goes into it. I don't know. Yeah. So I probably enjoy, enjoyed songs like um, "Reinventing Your Exit." Um, <laughs> despite such its, a classic. Despite its very two thousands techno sins um, and like dangerous business walking out your front door, which by the way is probably a little copyright infringe me but I'm not going to tell Tolkien on them. Tolkien will get them, yeah. Um, yeah, like songs that are a little more um, singing-centric than scream-centric, even though there are elements of both. I probably enjoyed those more off of this record. Um, and as, Brush Red as well. Yeah. As I shared with you yesterday, the, uh, I watched the music video for... <laughs> it's so cheesy. Oh, my goodness. Like... <laughs> Like playing on top of a mountain. Yeah. Um, If you ever lost on like a high mountain range, there'll be like an early 2000s screamo band filming a video there. So you'll be safe or something like that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I I just don't think um, I was ever skinny enough with like gauges in my ears and lift piercings to be into this kind of genre. Yeah. At at the end of the day. (laughs) 
Yeah, I know, right. It really did come with, although, like, I don't think I was, I don't think Australia really did the extremes of stereotypes very well in high school. So, like, <laughs> you know, like, I, mean, I just never, you know, like, I was into this kind of music, but, like, you could, I don't know, it just, there wasn't, like, enough people in my high school for it to be a whole click, you know? I mean, it's, like, it's way too hot for black skinny jeans in Australian summertime. Yeah, right. And also we have uniforms because oh, that's true. school, <laughs> so whatever. Anyway, so that kind of like takes, I think that's, anyway, I'm just going to formulate that in my head of like why stereotypes aren't as big sometimes in some schools <laughs> and some nations. Anyway, um, something that I really loved about uh, It's Dangerous Business is the choir and um, and rock instruments. Yeah. I think that was one of the first times I heard like this combination of like, Oh, like a choral refrain, even though it's like not in harmony or anything like that. It's very simple. It's it's basically just a sung melody. And then you've got these like uh, the electric guitars and drums and the band comes in is screaming on top of that. I thought that was a cool, like that song had like multi parts to it. It wasn't just like a verse chorus sort of thing. I really mm. liked the construction of it. I mean, that's so, kind of where you get the more metal elements of this musical genre in there of like... Yeah, like a breakdown. Yeah, and they like the more grandiose kind of parts to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Breakdowns were like a big thing in metal. <laughs> it was always the part where they'd slow down. They almost halve the tempo and that sort of thing. Gotta have um, a breakdown, band. man. Yeah, bands like The Chariot and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm i glad you kind of enjoyed. Like, I also enjoy the sung parts a lot more than mm. the screaming parts. But I think that... I liked the coupling. It's kind of like a nice balance of food tastes, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I sp- yeah. I suppose it's that cooking cooking metaphor again about balancing the two together and not having one taste kind of overpower the other. Yeah. And, and I think, sorry. Oh, I would say the same thing of like Alexis on Fire, for example, if I listen to them on a regular basis, that I would mm, enjoy the singing did. parts more than the screaming parts. Like it's just kind of a thing. It's not yeah. just this album necessarily. Aaron Gillespie actually had a few side projects, um, like where he just kind of sung and that sort of thing. Um, and I think he eventually left the band, but maybe joined again. I don't really, I haven't followed them since their album after this called Define the Great Line. And then I kind of lost interest. Um, <laughs> but this album, They're Only Chasing Safety, is one of their best, um, in my opinion. And so if you are keen for a little trip down memory lane to 2004, <laughs> then yeah, this is a good place to go. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yep. All right. All right. Well, thanks for giving a listen. I, I will. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no problem. All right. Should we move on to our honorable mentions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so uh, first up is uh, a new song from uh, Damon Albarn. Oh, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, Damon has uh, a number of bands like Blur and the Gorillas and uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Queen. And um, these are often seen as like, oh, he's the lead guy. Why would he need a solo project? But anyways, he's also made solo albums. He made one solo album before which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Um, Everyday Robots, I think, is a really pleasant um, 
different speed from him as an artist. And so whenever Damon does solo stuff, I actually really enjoy it. So he's got a new album coming out in November and he's released the first signal, uh, first single from that. And, um, you know, it's like more ambient elements, more kind of, um, creative instrumentation. Um, so mm. I'm, I'm quite yeah excited for that. I think it'll be very good. And you said that it was kind of like carnival vibes, uh, like their nine, uh, their self-titled. No, that was um, that was an interview he did. He's talking about the Gorillas self-titled that one. Oh, sorry. Okay, gotcha. I thought um, that he was talking about his self-release as being similar to that first Gorillas album. No, no. He's um, what he said was he's been interviewed about um, his new album coming up. And he talked about Gorillas and Blur. He said the Gorillas are going to make some more music that'll be more akin to their first album with more of a carnival vibe, basically. So I don't know what right. that means. <laughs> but that's I what he thinking, said. I was thinking that that album didn't really strike me as carnival. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> I know, right? I really love the song Tomorrow Comes Today on that album. And it always it always feels like beautiful kind of like um, drums and bass music from the UK. It's like yeah. just gorgeous like sampling and that sort of thing. But yeah, I was like, Carnival does not fit with my idea of that album, but that's it. Yeah. I'd say the first album was much more reggae inspired than anything else, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Plenty Eastwood and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then second, um, a new uh, stuff from Big Red Machine. Um, mm, so yeah. this is the, the duo project from, uh, Justin Vernon of Bon Iver and Aaron Dessner of The National. Um, I don't know. I am not that excited about this, I guess I would say. Um, <laughs> Who else is uh, featured on this album, Joshua? Taylor Swift. And, oh, right. Gotcha. Uh, Shannonova as well. Sharonova, um, yeah. Sharonova. I think, I don't know. I, I don't, like... Obviously, they can make whatever they want. That's that's like, you know, I'm not going to stop them. I'm a nobody. They can do whatever they like. But I think I'm just constantly more and more, um, I don't know, disappointed by their releases. Their stuff with Taylor was pretty boring. Um, their last it, it album was, was like, dull. last album was like, okay, from Bigger Machine. It just seems like it has all the elements of like the boring new stuff that the national does without, um, you know, a good rhythm section and like anything kind of interesting behind it. I don't know. Like you've just got baggage from, uh, you know, the, the latest national album, not being good. <laughs> Always baggage. <laughs> but I'd say about the one before it and the one before that, even as well as elements of those, I didn't like, like I, it's just, beast. Yeah. I didn't like that much. I like that. But, it's it's so disappointing because you take elements of like the sum of the parts does not equal the end project. I feel like these guys right. should be pushing themselves to do more interesting things, and instead they're doing much less interesting things together, and that's just kind of sad to me. I'm gonna push back a little bit um, <laughs> because I listened to the two new tracks from Big Red Machine, and yes, the one on the latter days. Uh, no, sorry. The Michael Stripe one um, Michael was really Stipe. beautiful. Stipe. Stipe. Oh, sorry. Michael Stipe, sorry, uh, from sorry. REM. I really liked that track, but you're right in that it doesn't have a lot of movement. 
it's not kind of driven by the drums. It's driven by his vocals, which I adore. Um, but Latter Days, I felt, had some stronger rhythms on it. Like, it felt like it was moving a little bit more. Basically, you want the national drummer <laughs> on anything. You're yes. just like... Yes, yeah. when you think When you think of the... Na- What's his name again? He's one of the twins. I don't know. I just call him no, drummer one of the Jesus. Twins, one of the brothers. Oh, brothers. <laughs> John Lennon, right? Yeah. Um, anyway... I I feel like you need him to do a solo project with someone <laughs> and you'll be like, yes, I'm totally there. Rather than like the national collaborating with Taylor Swift, you're like, is the drummer there or not? Because I'm not coming to the party. <laughs> He's not there. I mean, like, I don't know. You, you take all the elements of, to me, what makes an interesting national song record and you take these apart and then all of a sudden it's not as good like we have um matt's yeah. solo record which wasn't you know it was okay but not that amazing um you have this big red machine stuff which is like you know it's it's okay but it's nothing like i w- i'm or, not going crazy or about Taylor this. swift or sufjan stevens or something yeah. like that like they're it's a it's interesting that it's happening and mm. i'm glad that maybe some taylor fans are getting a taste of more um, instrumentation and musification in some of her songs, but I don't mm. know. I've we'll we'll leave this one open until the album actually comes out, and then we'll kind of decide. But I have I a mean, suspicion you're not going to like it. I'm probably not going to listen to it. To be honest with you, I'm going to give this one a miss. Probably. Anyway, sure, I'll listen to it and I'll let you know how it goes. Um, uh, third, um, for some reason, I woke up the other week. And I had tracks from the um, Shovel Knight game soundtrack going through my brain. Um, Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. So a couple of these have just been stuck in my head. So I've been listening to um, the soundtrack from the base game. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. These songs are so excellent. Like, to the point that it's it's better than a lot of the things that it's paying homage to or inspiration. Mm -hmm. These songs are really good. Um, Just like... um, inspired chiptune music that is just so excellent um, yeah makes I you got wanna... that soundtrack a while back but haven't yeah. fully appreciated it i think like grab a shovel and like jump on somebody with it that's like kind of what it makes you want to do um <laughs> and <Okay>. then <laughs> and then last but not least um is the latest album from uh lucy dacus i think is how you pronounce her name um okay, i don't know her, sorry dacus dacus uh she's a contemporary of the um, a modern, uh, really talented musical starlet group like Phoebe Bridgers. Um, yeah, right. Um, or she's actually in a band uh, with Phoebe Maggie Rogers. Um, yeah, uh, Boy Genius. They're in a band together. Um, with another person I'm forgetting. Unfortunately, my brain is um, not working. Um, anyway, um, so Lucy Decus has put out a th- uh, her third album. And I was tempted to give us a full review because it's actually quite good and it deserves that. Um, but there's just so many things to do and we have um, crunched yeah. time. Um, this record, um, Home Video, is a great um, indie rock nostalgia-driven expression looking at like faith and the kind of new love. And it's cheeky where it needs to be and mm. it's kind of earnest enough everywhere else. Um, so it's really worth a look at if you kind of want something in that kind of vein. Um, She's yeah, I don't know. She's I think going to be one of the next big bigger voices in the kind of the indie music scene. 
um, in America. So I recommend the new record home video to anyone who wants to give it a listen. It's really good. Nice. You heard it here first, listeners. Josh said it. That's, oh nice. man, Person of Boy G is going to bug me because she's really important too. What's her name? She's on the Frightened Rabbit cover album. Julian Baker, that's her name. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Julian Brain. Baker. Yes. Yeah, that's fine. Anyway. There's um, a lot of about, names to remember. Yeah. <laughs> how about you, sir? What are, what's your honorable mentions going? Um, I thought you were going to mention the new Gang of Youths track oh, as well. I forgot about them. Um. Just as a one, I've got a few that are Josh and I honorable mentions, and that was one that. What did you think of their new single? Um, yeah, what's it called? Uh, Angel of Eighth Avenue. Angel of Eighth Avenue. Yeah, I quite like it. Um, I've given it a number of listens. Um, I mean, it it fills that same kind of um, stadium Springsteen um, modern rock kind of vibe, which I am mm. completely okay with. That um, mm. the drums, uh, man. Those yeah. drums, as soon as it, they kick in, it's like this is great. Yeah, it's 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 infectious, and um, and we talked a little bit about how the new one of the new people in the band is a former <laughs> member of Noah and the Whale, and yeah, I I feel like I can hear that in the guitar work at some of these parts. I can't uh, unhear it now. As soon as he said like at what you were like at. 57 seconds or something there's that riff and it's like oh it's now a, i can't yeah it's just that. sped up no in the whale guitar part which i'm very okay with so i is it the dum dum da, 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 da? oh no it's another part yeah yeah anyway so, yeah totally so i don't, I don't know this album whenever it comes out i think could be quite interesting um if they keep this kind of direction going yeah i'm very I'm very my, here for it my only critique um, is that sometimes I feel like they're compromising the songwriting for the sake of a hit. Like mm. at the end when they're doing the heaven in your, uh, there's heaven in you now or something like that. I feel like that's a bit of a, we need to make a part that people can remember that's easy to sing along to rather than being like, oh, what's the next part of the song? What should be the next part of the song? I mean, maybe that's what they decide the next part of the song should be, but I just was listening back to some of their old stuff and just kind of felt like sometimes they're trying to appeal to a very wide audience. Yeah. And it doesn't always work. For I mean, yeah, they're stepping yeah. more into their role of being popular. I mean, this song charted in the on the indie kind of uh, charts in America, which I didn't think the old one even did. So it's kind of they're getting a little bit out which is there. crazy to me. Like that's crazy that they haven't like made it into the US market that much. It's a wide world. Yeah, but they're a good band. They are. I'm I'm <laughs> anyway. glad. Hopefully hopefully I'll hear them on Canadian radio sometime soon. Yeah, that'd be good. Let me know. Um, all right, I have a couple of honorable mentions which I'll just uh go through. Um I was going to try and review a band called And You Will Know Us by the Trail of Dead. Um, because I was getting a little bit nostalgic for this 2000s era. And there's a song called Another Morning Stoner by them, which I really loved back in 2001 uh, or something whenever it came out. And I tried listening to the album uh, Source Tags and Codes, but it just didn't grab me. I always thought this band was from the UK, but they're actually from Texas, which is yep. really interesting. Anyway, I'll put this song on the, the playlist. It's a good song. I like it because there's like a really unusual song structure and the vocals are kind of chaotic and the guitar parts and stuff. It's just interestingly done. Um, I don't really know much about the band called Low, 
But um, Harrison Limke tweeted out that uh, they had a new song called Days Like These. And I had a listen and actually quite like it. It's uh, got this neutral milk sort of overdriven sound in it. Um, yeah. And it's kind of a good, it's a good musical choice. It does get a little repetitive, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're always a little bit shoegaze adjacent. I have listened to some low stuff before. Okay. Yeah, I've not really heard much of their things. Um, one main one they want to talk about. Have you ever heard of a um, an artist called Orla Gartland? No. Okay. She's from Dublin, I believe, in Ireland. Um, and I heard about her from a music student back in 2012. Um, Orla did a... Uh, cover of Skinny Love um, and arguably a much better one than Birdie's. Um, she, <laughs> Orla is a, I mean, that's not hard. No, um, but I'm here for it. T- take a stab yeah. at Birdie, the version of me. That sure, yeah. sucks. Yeah, it wasn't very impressive. She did so many covers on that album. She did Terrible Love as well. It's so weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> Ola does like these, she's a really good guitarist. And that was the thing that really drew me in was her guitar work is strong and she's a great singer. She has this powerful voice. Mm. And um, so anyway, I've kind of had my eye on her work since then. Um, And she's releasing her kind of first full length album. And she's released four singles off it, which is a lot of singles in my mind. Um, It kind of makes a little EP. But it's quite good. It's really beautiful stuff. I recommend listening to them all. But yeah. the my favorite is More Like You. And she just kind of has a, a good lyricism. The songs are way more kind of produced and poppy than like my first introduction to her music. So I'll put the SoundCloud link for the um, Skinny Love in the playlist, uh, in, the, in the show notes. And then I'll put the other tracks on the playlist because I don't think she has that cover up on Spotify and stuff. Yeah, cool. But anyway, keep an ear out for her. There's been a lot mm. of really good music from the UK uh, lately, so I've mm. been enjoying that. And um, last, I'll just end on something really obscure. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to an artist again called Alyssa Effect. Alyssa Effect is um, the solo work of a game dev, um, and he is one member of 100 Rabbits. They're like a game dev studio that live on a boat and sail around the ocean and make That's games right. and music. That's yeah, you remember these guys? <laughs> a bit poncy, but, but good. Um, <laughs> I've been rereading um, some like old sci-fi manga and uh, listening to his music. And there's a soundtrack called Short Stories in Impossible Spaces. And again, I think it's the winter time here that's making me want to listen to like ambient kind of soft music. It's one of my favorite game soundtracks because it's so subtle. And um, it's for the game called Oquioni. I don't know how to pronounce it. But anyway, um, it's a beautiful soundtrack. So I just wanted to mention his work, Alice Effect, um, kind of really interesting very like electronic music, but yeah. Anyway, I have exhausted my honorable mentions. And so <laughs> I think that's the end of the show. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening for, to our 31st episode of what Ooh. we're listening to. It, time has gone fast, hasn't it, Josh? Mm-hmm. So um, please check us out on Spotify, obviously. And what well, for the, we now have 
Our podcast is on all the different mediums. Spotify, I think, is getting more listens than I thought. So um, check us out on Spotify and Overcast and Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Check us out on socials, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Um, Check out our website and share us around if you enjoyed this chat. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. See you around, Josh. See you, mate. Bye.